Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the live, RealCom Live. It is so good to be back. Um, as most of you know, uh, we don't take the summer off per se, but the reality is we gather so much great content on the RealCom Live stage at our events in June that we could not let those conversations go to waste. Um, so what we do is during the summer, we kind of go through the best of the best, and that's what you've been viewing every week. Uh, since the middle of June. And Ian and team has done a great job um, deciding on what topics to show you. And uh, it was a phenomenal run. But here we are back live and excited to uh, talk about uh, what's going to be happening this fall. Uh, for those of you who are new to us, we kind of shift gears a little bit in the fall. And we, we move from the commercial real estate conversation, Realcom, and the smart building conversation, IBCon. And we move into the core tech corporate real estate and facility conversation for the fall. And this year we've actually added Buildings AI to the core tech agenda. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But the focus is more on the tenant side of the conversation. So in a corporation, they may have a big campus uh, headquarters. They may lease regional space uh, in major cities like New York, Chicago, and LA. In some cases they may have retail. So the business drivers and the business needs of corporate America, as far as their real estate needs are different. And so the, the technology that we apply to those are, is different as well. So we thought we'd kick off uh, the first live episode with three great guests, uh, our co-chairs for CoreTech and build the, our CoreTech 23. Uh, that will be Frank Cuevas, the VP of Global Real Estate from McKesson, Bobby Lusant, Head of Technical Partnership Engagements, Global Shared Services of Meta, and hopefully Kay Sargent, Senior Principal Director of Workplace at HOK, who I believe just got off a plane from London. We may or may not see her, but um, Kay's a trooper and is going to try to get in. So let's bring on our guests and get this conversation started. <coughs> Gentlemen, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Jim. Great to see you. Great to be back live on Realcom Live, and what a great way to open up the season. Um, the, the experience that we have on this call and don't be surprised if Kay pops in, uh, she's done that before she, she will be running down the, the, the terminal with a cell phone, uh, on the call. Uh, but she is a trooper and probably one of the most seasoned people travelers in our industry. So if she pops in, don't be alarmed. Um, so again, thank you for being here and thank you for being the co-chairs for Cortec 23. Um, Frank, why don't we just get started with give the audience a little bit about your background, uh, the, the season, you know, the deep seasoned experience you have. And we'll do the same with Bobby. And then we're going to get right into our conversation. Absolutely. So I've been in the industry for the better part of 30 years and have been fortunate enough to lead some fabulous teams at some really good companies. I started out my career at uh, AIG, moved into uh, the financial industry banking at Citigroup. And then eventually Deloitte, IBM, uh, DXC, and then here at McKesson. In in all of those companies, have had various roles and um, have really got a broad perspective on the overall corporate pers uh, perspective of the uh, of the industry. So I sit in a very unique place today because I really hire experts to do what they need to do, but yet I try and look for the strategic ways in which I can provide direction to make things not just better, but to make things more effective and more efficient. So specifically IBM and Deloitte, they have a long reputation of being innovative 
and taking risks as it relates to a design of a corporate real estate portfolio, the workplace, and certainly the use of technology in the built environment. Uh, a little, any color or comment on those two organizations specifically? Yeah, I, I um, really, really um, uh, impressed with Deloitte. Over the years, they have just been forward thinking in their approach to combine both the technology and the workplace together and to create a better experience. Now, their, their workforce is a bit unique, right? A lot of their teams are have been hybrid for quite some time, uh, being that they're consulting firms, but um, but really ahead of their ahead of their time in so many different ways. And we could point to either, um, you know, some of their unique facilities that they built in Europe, as well as in, uh, in some other locations. IBM, same thing. Uh, IBM, very focused on AI at the time I was here. And, uh, and we were making a lot of headway around how do we involve the real estate conversation to take advantage of the tech that IBM was, was promoting and doing a lot of really good things in. And so it was very forward thinking. We even got to the point at one, at one point we were talking about every conference room having AI built into it so that uh, we could actually have um, almost a Siri, if you will, in every conference room, just for some yeah. really you thought. Yep. Well, and, and specifically on IBM and Deloitte, that conversation goes back to the late 80s, early 90s, where both organizations were really at the forefront of, of hybrid models, flex hot desking. And it's funny now we're, we're talking about it as if it's a new idea and it is literally 30 plus years old, right? Uh, and it, it's just interesting to watch how it evolves. Bobby Meta, that's a fast-moving tech company. Facebook, Instagram, and others. Um, tell us a little bit about your past and and a little bit of what you're doing now at Meta. Uh, sure. Uh, so again, uh, Bobby Louis Saint um, with Meta. Uh, my career spans probably, I'd say, overall 28 years, mostly in security industry um, technology. So physical security technology. So not cyber. Uh, started my career with ADT um, and was with ADT Tyco Johnson Controls for about 22 years. Um, <clears throat> I spent about 15 years uh, as director of national accounts for the West. So I managed a lot of corporate clients um, that were based out of the West Coast. So anything from a Chipotle to a 24-hour fitness to uh, Ross Dress for Less. Um, I managed Staples Center for about 15 years. Um, here in LA, um, and then also Meta, Facebook at the time, uh, Microsoft, and, uh, and Google. So quite a bit of experience deploying security solutions for those companies, um, working in a lot of different construction projects, um, and supporting design and, and the architecture for physical security in those spaces. Um, and uh, joined Meta about four years ago. Um, at the time, we were Facebook. And uh, my role here is more of a strategic role on how we strategize in deploying security tech originally. Um, uh, when I first came on, I reported into global security. Um, and then uh, as of this year, um, back in March, we were transitioned to a new organization within Meta uh, called Global Shared Services, um, part of some of the efficiency work um, that the organization has been doing um, and where we are supporting technology now for all of the building technology. So not just security, but um, everything else within the building um, our team supports. And so with that, um, the intent of my role is to help support strategy and networking and understanding for not just security where I've been 
spending most of my career, uh, but now on the building side, which led me to Realcom um, through some partners that I know. Um, and then now just trying to get involved in understanding, you know, what, what, uh, what are some of the best practices that we could be utilizing and how we manage and deploy technology um, within our building spaces? Um, who can we partner with to understand what's been going on in their spaces? Um, how do they utilize technology? Um, but then also to help provide influence on standardization. Um, we talked to Jim a little bit about cybersecurity protocols that, that might need, be needed into the space. But also, like, what does the future really look like in this space? Um, how do we utilize AI into the future? How do we plan for it? Um, and how do we strategize the business um, and prepare the business um, to be able to utilize AI in the future? Well, and, and just you know, list, looking at, at the companies you both work for and your credentials, McKesson, Fortune 10, huge company, you know, a lot of employees, Meta, one of the top technology companies in the world. It's really interesting to see how this journey of real estate and technology is coming together. And, and Bobby, being at Meta, I mean, you can walk down the hall and get access to the best AI, 5G, uh, you know, immersive, you know, um, hyper, or hyperspace um, or metaverse uh, context and, and support folks you can find. That's that's going to help in your journey. I mean, having access to that, those tools, those people. Uh, and, and like we talked a little bit earlier, no pushback. You know, they're they're innovative um, uh, by nature. So. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, it's really refreshing to be here. I will say that. Um, and it's it's definitely a plus in understanding, like the direction that we could be headed in um, when it comes to AI and how we utilize AI into the future. The complicated part about that is also understanding what it's going to take. Right. Um, the amount of resources um, that need to be available for us to really deploy AI in an efficient manner. Um, and then also making sure that the data that we're looking to utilize with AI is clean um, and that it makes sense. So there's probably a lot of work ahead of us in regard to preparing to really utilize AI the way we want to. It's not a flip of the switch like everybody thinks. Um, it's definitely uh, a journey, I want to say, um, in order for us to get where we want to be. Yeah. So both you guys have got good, long experience. And prior to the pandemic, digital transformation in the real estate world, making some progress, you know, conference rooms were getting a little bit more engaging. You know, some people were working in a mobile capacity, a little bit of remote maintenance here and there, you know, turning things on and off from different locations and, and a reasonable approach to the E and ESG, you know, the carbon footprint. Then the pandemic hits. Frank, can you give us an idea of how much did your trajectory change pre and post pandemic as it relates to your real estate strategy? Well, I, I joined uh, McKesson at about the time that the pandemic was starting. And, um, but I can tell you, there has just been a fundamental change in the way we're viewing our strategy around real estate since, since the pandemic started. And prior to that, of course, uh, everyone and, and most organizations are focused on utilization, right? Uh, upwards of 60, 70%, always trying to hit that 90% mark. And, uh, you know, suddenly it was like a light switch, as Bobby mentioned, um, with regard to other things. One day, nobody was coming in. And, and so from a strategic perspective, I think most organizations, McKesson included, had to really rethink what the future of their portfolio would look like, had to rethink what the future of work would look like, and 
you know, quite frankly, I think early on, nobody really knew the answers to that. And even today, there is still a tremendous amount of, of um, ambiguity around the topic and or even um, differences of opinion, right? And that, and that will continue. So from a, from a post to a pre-pandemic or pre to a post-pandemic strategy, our view was that it would never go back to being what it was pre-pandemic. And so we had to make some changes in our multi-tens of millions of square feet of portfolio to accommodate for that. And so it looks very different than it did pre-pandemic. Well, and I think it's not, we, we cannot lose the irony that the head of real estate from McKesson is a mobile warrior sitting in an airport who need, the airport needs to be equipped to be able to handle you doing a podcast on the fly, right? That That is the new reality, right? And so um, very, very appropriate. <laughs> um, Bobby, how about you? Pre, pre and post? Uh, pre and post, interesting. Um, if if uh, For those who've never been to Facebook's campus, um, pre-pandemic, I, 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 I would say it was like, walking into Manhattan um, and being on Times Square. Um, it was a packed place, um, cars everywhere, people everywhere. Uh, we have shuttles, we had uh, buses, we had, I mean, it was just a thriving environment. Um, and we were an in-office company um, pre-pandemic. Um, <clears throat> then the pandemic hit, and I think a lot of us thought we would be back in the office in a few weeks. Um, after a few months, we started to realize that that wasn't going to happen. And so buildings that were completely packed, and I'm talking, you couldn't find a conference room. You couldn't find a desk. Um, it was very complicated sometimes. Uh, a lot of the times, the building that I worked in, I'd have to go to a completely different building to find a conference room and, and find mm -hmm. space. Um, to being completely empty uh, was probably pretty shocking. Um, and, and we work very closely with the medical community. So we had an understanding of what, uh, COVID could be, but I don't think the world really understand that it was going to shut us down the way it did. Um, and so we started doing research, started benchmarking with other companies to understand the type of technologies that we were going to need to protect our spaces. Um, you know, we all probably, we went through the temperature sensor thing, whether it was, a, a, a handheld or people were installing thermal cameras. I mean, I think, I think people went a little bit crazy with that, but at the end of the day, we ended up, you know, understanding that wasn't really going to help us um, and that we were going to have to ride this thing out. We weren't really sure how long it was going to last and it lasted probably a lot longer than we ever thought it would. Um, and so fast forward to today, we are drastically different. Um, uh, as of uh, September 5th, I believe it was, we uh, announced uh, back to office We've been pretty much hybrid mostly. We have now remote work. Um, I'm a remote worker myself. Um, I live in Los Angeles. My office is in the Bay Area. And um, you know, I will say that it's been a pretty uneasy space to kind of understand, you know, what is the future gonna be like for us? I don't think we know today. And so, you know, when we talk about utilizing um, you know, AI and, and, and analytics and, and data from our systems to understand how we're showing up in buildings. That is technically how we're trying to evaluate what the future is going to look like. Um, but, you know, we're doing it pretty much in iterations, trying to understand every piece of the business as it goes, 
Um, and I think today we're probably in the most comfortable spot in really understanding what the future might look like. But again, it's very assumptive, um, even with the data that we're providing, right? So we are back to office. It's not at the nowhere near the capacity that it ever was. Uh, we definitely have remote workers um, now that represent a pretty significantly sized part of the organization. Um, but there's a, a really good sense about getting back to the office and figuring out what that is. And, you know, we've shifted away from permanent desks. Um, we're, we're now moving to more of a shared desk model um, or uh, desk hoteling is what we're calling it. I think a lot of people call it that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to provide flexible spaces um, for the business in order for us to shift, because that's the other thing. Um, we have a lot of buildings lot of building spaces um, and based off of the data we've had to consolidate a bit um, so moving out of certain buildings because occupancy really wasn't there um, and then on top of that we're going to continue to manage um, you know what the data looks like and understanding how we need to shift in the future well what, what we've noticed is that the pandemic was long enough to actually change behavior oh, yeah. and so now that the pandemic is over we're fighting people's unhappiness with two hour commutes with a lack of flexibility to run the kids to daycare in the morning, all those habits that were learned during those two years, that's what I think where we're at. Right. Um, but I think at the end of it, we're going to come up with the new solution. And I, I think it's challenging, but it's also pretty exciting. And I might, take, add, yep. I might add just Jim that the new solution I think is going to be very different by industry and certainly by company because yes. As Bobby was speaking about what Meta is deciding to do, McKesson, as an example, is not mandating that their employees return to work in their office environments, right? And so it's going to be very different um, by by individual company. And that's one of the things that I think that discussion keeps happening today, where people think it's going to be one answer for everyone. And I think it'll be a bit, a bit different. Well, and what's funny is you used to attract talent by saying, come to this big, beautiful campus with all these amenities. And now right. some of that talent is saying, I want the flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, and, and, that's the rub. That's right. And I think for us, I mean, I'm glad you bring that up, Jim. I, I try not to talk about the amenities too much, but we definitely have some significantly cool beautiful amenities, yeah. right? I mean, you yeah. get to eat for free and, uh, you know, we have laundry service. We have, you know, lots of services to provide for employees. You, you technically don't have to leave the campus. I mean, it, it, you can be there. You just need to find a place to sleep um, is what I used to tell people. And, and, and even for me, I commuted to the Bay Area. Um, I'd fly in on Tuesdays and I'd be there till Thursday, take advantage of all the amenities. And I really didn't have to do anything else outside other than find a place to sleep. Yeah. Um, and so it was very attractive. And, you know, people's mind, mind frames have absolutely shifted. Um, you had, you know, for us, we had a lot of people coming from everywhere to the Bay Area. And so they weren't, their homes weren't there, their families weren't there. So during COVID, a lot of them had to go back home. So they had support. Um, and now that they're used to having that support again, we also proved that we were able to be pretty efficient um, in work remotely. So yeah. we've proven that we can work remotely. But I think the biggest concern that we've had is, is we've lost a little bit of the creativity that you find between the engineers when they're together, right? And they're able to throw ideas, you know, back and forth across the desk. Um, that's that's more of what we're looking to bring back um, into the office. It's more of that creativity. Um, we are a creative engineering company. So, you know, it's not just that we're providing services. It's, it's, it's more about the creativeness of what we do 
um, and bringing back our employees. Which you made me just think of something about uh, when you said creativity. I want to add one more thing to the list. Can we get a demo of the new VR headset at Cortex? Because I think there's a relationship with the virtual environment and the physical environment that's actually going to play into this new definition of real estate. So that, well, that, that's another conversation that um, it just came to my mind. I don't know how we missed it. Listen, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but before I do, I just want you to give, um, actually, Ian, if you can bring everybody back real quick. Okay, just one question before the break, and then uh, and then we'll go to commercial. So going forward, and I want you to think about this uh, as we break. Going forward, technology will significantly impact the workplace, which we talked a little bit about, facility operations, remote capabilities, and carbon footprint. Do you agree or not? The technology is going to play a major role in all those things. Don't give me your answer now. Think about it, and we'll answer when we come back from our break. All right, corning. That's one of the things we need, right? We need fiber. We need network connectivity to make all this stuff happen. That's one of the technologies that we talk about, right? So, Frank, let's start with you. I mean, especially because you had a background with IBM. What role does technology play in, the, in this new workplace, this new corporate real estate environment? Yeah, so Jim, technology's always played an important role in real estate, but I think just given the dynamics of how everything has changed, paradigm has shifted, has shifted, technology is going to play an incredibly important role in, in achieving our goals. We've, we have some pretty audacious goals in terms of ESG and some other concepts that we're pursuing, and without technology being at the forefront of those goals, we would we will not achieve them. And everything from you know making sure that we provide the best experience for people when they come in, so that it rivals being at home because quite frankly you know people have some pretty good setups at home we've got to create that technology to make sure that the office is better to managing our facilities and our operations if we're going to meet some of the goals that we've established in terms of, of um, environmental and sustainability uh, goals we need that technology not just to report on what we're doing but to drive the kinds of behaviors and to be able to drive the kind of AI that we're going to need to do that. Yeah. Well, when I started my career, I went in the office because it had a $100,000 photocopier that I didn't have access to. Right? I, need, I needed the tools inside the office, right? And then Kinko's, Kinko's FedEx comes along and changes that paradigm a little bit. Now, you're absolutely right. The office experience has to bring a new level of collaboration that people can't get at home. Um, uh, as much. And, and I do think meta, the metaverse and, and VR could potentially have a role in this. Bobby, I mean, how much does technology involved in your real estate strategy at Meta? Uh, probably involved in all of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> realistically for us, I, I agree 100% with Frank. I think uh, technology has probably always been um, part of the innovation for, for real estate tech tech and how we manage it. But I think moving forward, there's an opportunity not only for sustainability, um, but reliability um, in how we manage utilization um, and then also business intelligence um, and being able to provide you know, data to leadership to help them understand how to make decisions for the business moving forward and everything from how not only just the building is working, but who's in the building. Employee experience is a big one for me. Um, <clears throat> you know, the building technologies that we're providing in the future will also help employees have a better experience in the office um and you know so for me i think technology plays a pretty significant role moving forward more than what we've ever seen in the past 
Right. Um, you know, if you want to put my dream headset on, on what I think the future looks like, especially when it comes to, to, to VR and AR, there's a lot of opportunity. We're already exploring, you know, BIM models in VR and being able to walk around buildings and understand, you know, where HVAC ducts are going to be in comparison to other equipment that is going to be hanging in the same yeah. area. Um, we're looking at being able to do training with our physical security teams using with BIM modeling on, you know, what they're going to actually have to do in managing a, a building and being able to provide, you know, a visual um, versus, you know, a 2D copy of something, you know, a, a drawing or a CAD drawing, um, being able to, to have people explore what a building could potentially look like in VR. Um, and, you know, beyond that, there's a lot more capabilities from a design aspect as well. So I think you're going to see, um, you know, technical innovations impact what we do for buildings in the future pretty significantly and then tie in AI. I think um, we become more efficient, more optimized, um, and, and, and ultimately provide a better experience for, for employees using life. Yeah, I, I just keep going back to the thought that you know, a lot of this innovation in the built environment will happen in Silicon Valley just because of the tech DNA that exists there, right? It's just, it's, it's, an, it's a natural extension of what the company does. Guys, we only got the two questions, which I knew we would, um, but I do want to get to one final question. Frank, we'll start with you. Cortec 23 coming up, and then we got uh, Buildings AI on the backside of it. Uh, at Meta's headquarters in the museum, one of the coolest uh, places I've been as far as workplace uh, type facilities, event space. Um, what are you looking to to bring to Cortec and what are you looking to get out of it? Well, so let me start with what I'm looking to get out of it, Jim. Um, we, uh, we in the real estate, corporate real estate um, environment are always focused on so many different things and it's hard to get a grasp on the latest innovations, the best technologies that are out there, best practices, and so forth. And so, one of the things that'll be really important for people that sit in my seat is to really go to places um, to 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 um, to the um, to the to the function and to look for the innovations that are going to help us move the dial on some of the things that we are focused on accomplishing and realcom has has always driven that kind of an audience and the uh, the exhibitors and so forth that help drive the uh, the industry forward so that's one of the things that i'm absolutely looking to get out of it in terms of what i'm looking to bring to it is my experience on the necessities of the corporate environment as an example for a company like ours the greatest amenity for us going forward is going to be people people in the office are going to drive getting other people to come in so we continue to sponsor that community and collectiveness and so forth and so being able to come to uh, to work on and to be able to, to talk about the needs of the corporate environment and to talk about the experiences that we have will then help these innovation companies these tech companies as well further think about how they can solution for us perfect perfect Bobby, I know you've got some strong uh, feelings on this as well. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think uh, I'll start with what, what I feel like we bring to the table um, in regard to this conference and, and just having the opportunity to uh, support community um, in this space is probably top of mind for me. Um, and then being able to share what we as Meta have been able to accomplish um, over the past you know, 10, 12 years of the organization and the creativity on how we engineer and architect our buildings 
um, and how it flows for the employees and the employee experience. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that it's an opportunity for the rest of the real estate community to to take some some things away uh, um, as you as you leave um, as an experience and an understanding and, and hopefully something that you know we can share that maybe it might be something you want to do as well. Um, but then on top of that, I think uh, you know what I'm looking for is more knowledge. Um, I think we want to understand what others are doing. We don't want to think we know it all. We definitely need to understand what the rest of the real estate um, uh, technology folks are doing and, and real estate people um, are actually uh, building towards what are your strategies? You know, what are your problems? What keeps you up at night? Um, what are you looking for? Um, you know, because there might be some nuggets of, of uh, <clears throat> uh, some, some strategic nuggets that we need to really think about that we might not be thinking about today. Um, you know, I, I said it earlier, Jim, uh, uh, before we came on, we're coming out of our teenage years, we're getting into our 20s as an organization. And so uh, I think being more mature about what we're trying to do moving forward and, and, and partnering with folks and building community is, is really what we're hoping to, to accomplish with this conference. Since we started this organization over 25 years ago, the whole idea was this was going to be a big lift. No one person, no one organization wants to do it on their own. And the more we can get people in a room to collaborate, share, not just successes, but failures as well, right? It's hard to admit failures, but if you can avoid, help somebody avoid going down the wrong, wrong road, immensely powerful, right? And then we've had so many of those case studies. Guys, we are out of time. Uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time to do this. Frank, we know you're going to be running out of here and probably jumping in a cab or an Uber. Uh, thank you for finding the time in the airport to do this. Bobby, thank you for everything you've done uh, in addition to being a co-chair, but helping us get set up uh, at Meta. You, know, you guys have been such great hosts so far. And we're looking forward to showing off a little bit of what, you know, I know you say teenager, but, you know, between the wireless and and the, and the facility and, and the other things you're doing, you know, the AR, VR, um, I, I think we're going to be in a good home for Cortec 23 and, and Buildings AI this year. So thank you for that as well. Awesome. Gentlemen, we'll be back in touch. You have a great weekend and uh, be safe. Travel well. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Wow. I mean, what a way to kick off Realcom Live, um, going live again. Uh, you've got more experience. Those two gentlemen, obviously, Kay never made it. Her plane from London may have been delayed. We'll catch up with her later. Uh, just if that, That's just any indication of the kind of conversations we're going to be having at Cortec 23 and Buildings AI. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride. So with that, let's go back to my favorite segment. Uh, one of my favorite people, Howard Berger, give us the news. Let me get out of your way. I know we're behind, but uh, hand it off. Thanks, Jim. And, and, and thanks, Bobby, Frank, for being our Cortex chairs. This is a great conversation today. What a great way to, to, to bring the show back for, for the fall season. Uh, so what I do now is I, I'm going to give you a couple of uh, news stories from our weekly news briefing goes out every Thursday morning. If you don't see it in your inbox, just go to realcom.com and click on news. So our leads in, the, I'm going to do this kind of quickly. So uh, uh, our lead story comes from Greg Fitzpatrick. He's the business development leader for Cochrane Supply and Engineering, but he's also executive director for the RECC, the Real Estate Cyber Consortium. And first, a little background. RECC's roots go back to tw uh, June 2016, when at our Realcom conference, we assembled a private meeting of industry tech leaders, some CIOs, CTOs, CISOs, who started getting really concerned about cyber threats to the operational technologies in their real estate assets. 
Now RECC represents over 45 leading organizations, represents like 12.5 billion square feet, commercial and industrial property that generate in excess of 280 billion in annual revenue. The work product that's been coming out of RECC is, has become the foundation for our annual cyber forum. Uh, that's our pre-conference event. We have at Realcom every June. And now in this article, Greg addresses and challenges owners and operators uh, with what they face with OT cyber and the need to continually involve their, what he's calling their OT cyber playbook. And Greg proposes the concept of what we call cyber harmony, which orchestrates the collaboration between multiple project stakeholders, incorporating best practices, owner project requirements, specifications, and procedures that need to be implemented by the system integrators responsible for OT and buildings. Now, if you're dealing with OT cyber, I encourage you to take a few minutes and read this important article. Next, from this week's technology partner, an article entitled IP Edge Controllers by Mark Petock. Mark's Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at LinkSpring. And uh, for you not aware, edge computing ref re refers to connecting and collecting and processing data at the device level rather than at a centralized server, cloud, or remote data center. And it allows execution of applications at a place where you can process and analyze data as close to the original sources as possible, hence at the edge of the network. Uh, and in the context of building automation and integration, it increases speed, scalability, security, bandwidth conservation, and overall reduces the latency and the operational cost. This is a great article from Mark, uh, and I would encourage everybody to give it a read. Uh, next, since 2012, we've been profiling and showcasing some outstanding examples of technologically uh, advanced smart buildings and campuses and portfolios. And this week, we're featuring Kinsec Capital's Fairmont Royal York in an article entitled Electrification to Decarbonize a Historic Landmark. So the Fairmont Royal York, it's a really classy, elegant hotel with a romantic atmosphere. It was built in 1929. It's in the heart of Toronto across from the Union Station. Like many historic buildings, it undergoes periodic upgrades and guest-facing facilities such as rooms, meeting areas, and amenities. Kingset, the building owner, began a year-long energy retrofit in 2022 it's an electrification products, heat pumps, et cetera, to eliminate an estimated 7,700 metric tons of CO2 emissions annually, which could save over $2 million in operating costs per year. Now, the project proceeded. This is the tricky part. While the hotel was operational, and it wasn't without challenges, including a lot of proposals that were rejected because they didn't meet the hotel's high aesthetic standards. So fantastic project. Please familiarize yourself with it. Great job, Kingset. Uh Next, uh, this is kind of funny. TikTok has become the latest company to enforce a return to office mandate, just set to come into play in October. And it looks like they're employing some pretty extreme moves. So TikTok started using a software program called MyRTO to enforce their back to office mandate. It monitors badge swipes, tracks the comings and goings of their employees, and is directly linked to the company's existing software and IT services. Now, employees that don't check into the office are going to have a lot of explaining to do. Now, this, this is funny. Uh, one report states that non-compliant employees may not get their lunch stipends. So all you no-shows, no soup for you. Uh, finally, another iconic Canadian project. Uh, Oxford Property Groups announced their new Vancouver high-rise called The Stack. It's officially open. It's the first net-zero carbon high-rise in North America. 37 stories, 550,000 square feet, 
office tower in downtown Vancouver and features like this twisting stack box design. Now, Oxford said they achieved zero carbon through low carbon building systems, high performance triple plane glazing, along with smart building technology to optimize energy management and building performance and enable preventative maintenance. They have a rooftop solar uh, array uh, designed to deliver 26,000 kilowatts of energy. Uh, so we're going to be keeping an eye on this project to see how it how it plays out and whether it could actually be our next new net zero carbon milestone for urban architecture. So that was just a few of this week's highlights. I uh, wishing you all a great weekend. And yeah. you had me at no soup for you. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> I well, mean, really. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 the next phase, the big conversation that's coming a million miles an hour is going to be privacy. I mean, it, we've been on it for 15 years. We knew everything was getting put in place. It's getting easier to violate privacy. It still matters. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all all uh, plays out. So, Howard, great job calling through the hundreds of articles that make no sense and finding the ones that do. You do a great job, and I uh, appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Jim. You too. All right. So before I wrap the show, we're going to hear from our final commercial. I'm going to come back and give you a little bit of update on what we're going to be talking about next week. All right. So you heard me mention uh, um, Buildings AI. It's an event that we're tacking onto the back of Cortec 23, AbMetis headquarters. And uh, we decided after the rush of interest on artificial intelligence uh, at the conference, RealCom and I become this summer, that we needed to focus uh, on AI. There is more hype, more misinformation um, out there. And we are going to spend the next two months digging for all the legitimate, authentic conversations as it relates to AI in the built environment. It is not an easy task. You have to sort through hundreds of ideas, hundreds of presentations, decks, pitches to understand what's real and what's not. So far, we've got some real winners. Uh, we've got some technologies that are gonna be legitimate, have legitimate impacts on the built environment. And, uh, and then we're also gonna try to dispel uh, some of the myths and some of the overhype that is absolutely out there in the marketplace. So if you're if you're interested in AI in the built environment, which you really should be because it is gonna have an impact, this is gonna be a place where you can dedicate one day, get around like-minded people, close the doors, roll up the sleeves and get to the bottom of what the impacts artificial intelligence are gonna have on the built environment. And that ranges everything from back-end operations to how does it impact how we use the space? If we had 25 traders sitting at desks and uh, all of a sudden that's all being done by AI. What's the impact of utilization, which was a topic we talked about. So it's gonna be a wide range of topics, but one you're not gonna to wanna to miss. So next week, we're gonna have the two chairmen, uh, Wayne Campbell, a uh, leading consultant out there, came from the real estate industry and is focusing on AI and, is, AI and is really helping us put together the meaty details that make an event like this uh, work. And then Sundar Papu, SVP, head of technology and strategy for Inland, a CIO within our real estate community has really taken the lead inside Inland as well as the community. He and Wayne gave presentations at, at RealCom and IBCon, did some demonstrations and are just committed to the topic and are, are willing to give us their time and energy to make sure this is a great event. So mark your calendars this fall, uh, November 15th, 16th, I believe are the dates. Check our website to make sure. Cortec 23, day one, Buildings AI, day two, in Meta's headquarters in the museum event space, which you've never seen anything like it. Uh, if, you, if you're a corporate or commercial real estate folks looking to find what new spaces are going to look like, uh, this is, this is going to have some great ideas for you. So with that, 
Great to be back. Great to have you here with us. Uh, looking forward to the continued conversations. We will see you next week on Realcom Live. Have a great weekend and be well.